Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody, before we get into today's thrilling episode... Kristen and I have some stuff to tell you about. First of all, today is June 28th, and tonight I'm playing in Anaheim. Woo! Tomorrow I'm playing in San Francisco. See you there. Day after that, I'm playing in Portland. See you there, too. And the day after that, I'm playing in Seattle. Also see you there. So if you're in any of those cities, come on out and say hey. You can find all the information on my website at jennyowenyoungs.com slash tour. While Jenny plays music, I will be signing any Buffy DVDs that have been brought <laughs> to the show. How dare you? <laughs> Um, some other important news. We have a lot of news because we're wrapping up the season. We're getting towards the end of the season yeah. here. Uh, one of the things we want to tell you is that on July 30th, we will be doing a Buffy watch for all of our patrons. So if you don't know, a great way to support us is over on Patreon. The link is on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon. All of our patrons, any level of giving, are always invited to our Buffy watches. And on July 30th, we are doing a poll. The poll is live right now. Right now, Band Candy is winning. The choices are Becoming Two, Anne, Faith, Hope, and Trick, or Band Candy. If you Sophie's would, choice. If you would like to join us on that Buffy Watch or participate in the voting or both, go on over to our website, click on Patreon, and you can become uh, one of our supporters and join us for that very, very fun time. And you'll notice that we've set a new goal on Patreon. You've all been so supportive of our work. And as we go into season three, we have some new improvements that we want to make to our setup here and get things just even better than they already are and also keep ourselves sustained. So you can check out that and all the other fun things over in the land of Patreon. Also, as we are nearly at the end of season two, we have CDs of songs from season two up for pre-order on our website, along with songs from season one, which we'll be doing a limited run of again, and also some new shirts. Yes. An amazing awu shirt that Isabella Rotman designed for us. A fantastic Even a Werewolf is Better Than Misogyny shirt that Cameron Glavin illustrated for us. And uh, we've got a Just Keep Fighting shirt in a new color. That is beautiful. Yes, it's also beautiful. I just I, I go to the store sometimes and I just look at it. <laughs> it's just so everything looks look so what good. Look I have wrought. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you too can go look at our store, <laughs> get lost in it, uh-huh. or if you want to buy anything, it's there for you. It is. You can just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on shop. And with that, oh, sweet heavens, sweet heavens indeed. Let's get into it. Let's. Welcome to yet another episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one by one, weeping when necessary. Mm. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, and this week we are talking about Season 2, Episode 21, Becoming Part 1. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Except for this week. 
Yes. So this week, this is a two-parter, Becoming One and Becoming Two. It's the finale. Welcome to the finale. (laughs) Do you like my song? (laughs) This is a very good song. This is the finale of season two. And typically in the past, we have done uh, two-parters by doing half the song on the first part and the second half in the second part. We talked a long time about this, though, and we mm-hmm. really feel that these two need to be need to be one song. Like the song has to come at the end of the finale. So we will not have a song after becoming one. We will have the full becoming song after the finale. A note on the finale. Today is Wednesday, June twenty eighth. For all of our listeners, uh, becoming part two will come out as you would expect on Wednesday, July fifth. That'll be the finale episode. It'll have the full song. However, if you are a Stitcher Premium member, you have the finale right now. We released both parts for our Stitcher Premium subscribers together all on June 28th. So that's very exciting. If you want to listen to both parts together, you can. You can just go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash Buffy. There's a code there for you to use. You get a free month. You can just, if you want, just listen to it. Then you can leave or you can stay because it's pretty great because there's lots of exclusives and we're going to be doing more over there. However, we should really talk about this episode, don't you think? Um, I could tell you something about this episode. Becoming Part 1 was written and directed by Joss Whedon and originally aired on May 12th, 1998. Yes, yes. And this is the one where Angel plots to revive an ancient demon bent on sweeping everything on Earth into hell itself. This is the one where Kendra dies, we meet Whistler and see a lot of angel origin flashbacks. Yes. It's also the one where Spike is hilarious. <laughs> um, It's a great episode. I'm confused about the IMDb description because it says bent on pulling the world into hell itself. But they, they didn't, is that is that what it is, hell? Because I just thought it was like another demon dimension. Well, I don't think there'd be too much of a meaningful distinction between what we think about as uh, hell right, right, and right. a demon dimension. Okay, okay. It's just like, I guess it's I... A functional I, hell for non-demon okay, fine, entities. Fine. Hell, the general hell, but not the specific hell, perhaps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, just we, hell. Isn't that enough? Yes, it is. It is. So in, what do you call it? The previously on? Yeah. In the previously on segment of this episode, we get the slow-mo disc drop in between the desk, which I just like, I just want to say, I don't know that we've seen anything else more (laughs) than this disc, this floppy disc. Listen. Slowly. Why do you think, I mean, I know it's an important moment, but like, I don't know that we needed it to be in slow motion. That's all I'm saying. Like, I I still would have. I think you're, I think you're asking the wrong questions. Okay. I think the question you might want to ask yourself sure. is when else other than but now in this universe <laughs> in, in these this cluster of episodes when will I get to see a floppy disk repeatedly fall in slow motion Slowly. between a desk and a filing yeah, cabinet right. and when the, the answer is here and now yes. we got to see it and it is of course it's a very important little thing to show before we go into this episode because it really is the thing that sets the chain of events yeah. into motion. We will get there, but first. But first, can I give you my notes for the cold open? Yes, please. My Sorry, my obviously the cold open is broken into two sections. Uh-huh. The Galway flashback and then Buffy in the cemetery. Right. My notes for the Galway section yes. are Galway, sideburns, Darla, <laughs> David's accent, 
and ponytail boobs. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't really have anything. Yeah, do we have to discuss anything I there? I, I mean, I I did have Angel's ponytail lister, listed in the in, in yeah. my notes. Um, and also that they have that of course they're hanging out in the back alleys of Ireland, right? That like right. That no matter where, where we you are, are, you're always going to be in an alley. I'll and do show. I just have this this theory that the back alleys in Galway connect to the back alleys in Sunnydale. Probably. Right? It's like a left, a left, a right, and a left. You know when you play Clue, when you play the game Clue, and like you can go the paces you need to go from like the dining room to the living room, or you can take the secret passageway right. to get to the... There's a the secret passageway yeah. between Galway and Sunnydale. 100%. Of course, of course. 100%. It's very uh, golden compass in that right. sense. I think you can just <laughs> pop from alley to alley. Yes. Um... But yeah, that's a good and and I I mean I know your last note was boobs and you and you did make a good joke of it. Um, I just want everyone to know how serious that note is. Jenny, like I feel like you basically stood up on the couch when this scene happened, where Darla cuts uh, her skin directly above her boobs so that Angel can drink from it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. Didn't happen. I think it might be your favorite thing ever. Uh, like favorite, favorite of all. Like if if you had like a favorite food, a favorite this, a favorite that, and then all those favorites came up against each other to win one major I don't know favorite. About I that. Think, I think but what I will say is that um, thinking backwards and forwards uh, of all the episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, of every scene I I can recall mm. of someone being made vampire. Uh-huh. This is my favorite method used. Okay, yes. Yeah. Great job. It is Oh, I did have another note about Darla. Darla looks amazing. Darla, I, my note is Darla has a perfect face. Like yes. it's like perfectly I don't, it's just like perfectly proportioned. I don't, it's just really nice to look at. I like to look at a Darla face. Julie Benz, totally yeah. crushing it. More like Looks, Julie Babes, am I right? I, you are right, or, well, not the other thing that I was going to just say, because <laughs> um, maybe one day she'll come on the show. Oh. So I shouldn't call her that. Wow. <laughs> I was just following a natural train of thought. Also, I feel like we should edit that out. I don't even know what you were going to say. Julie Boobs. <laughs> was that we have to edit that like, out because you were gonna say julie boobs yeah <laughs> never editing it out staying so i just want to say i feel like we've seen so little of darla in this show cumulatively but she always leaves such a strong impression i think she looks amazing in this scene and mm. like seeing her like framed in that archway like you can yeah. totally see it just makes a lot of sense well, well that's funny because my thinking was like wow is this how you like flirted in the 1800s <laughs> you know? stand under a well-lit arch <laughs> and then and then don't say anything just turn around and walk away yeah and if it's the right man he shall follow yikes <laughs> um so then we go to the graveyard Cemetery? I'll never remember which of those. Cemetery. It's okay. a cemetery. We go to the cemetery, and, and we learn that five vampires in three nights is a high ratio of vampires, which I feel is important, because I never understand, like... The There's really no... I don't think we have a uh, sort of, like, universally accepted 
normal rate of vampires. I think it's just relative to the episode and whatever they're okay. trying to accomplish. So, okay, personally. sure, sure, sure. So, but we've seen five vampires in three nights and we're led to believe that is a lot. Uh-huh. Um, none of them have been angel. Buffy is frustrated. None of them have stayed along and, uh, and alive we, long uh, enough to deliver a message. We, right, we learn the vampires are horrible carrier pigeons. Yeah, Just yeah, the yeah. worst. You do uh, not although, wanna... actually, that's not true because later in the episode, there is the immolationogram, which <laughs> yes. is highly effective. Which is Great. Yeah. So Angel is watching Buffy from behind the leaves of a tree. If you can, just go back and look at the pier because it's a really dramatic pier. It's just like, I feel like they burst out laughing after he peered through the bushes. Right? It's, so, it's just so dramatic. A lot and of intense looks. And then he's, you know, whatever, Buffy kills the vamps. Xander's like, blah, the, whatever. There's a thing. That, but then Angel has this, like, soliloquy to the camera. Oh, my God. Where he's like, yes, my love, it will. Right. Buffy's like, finals. And Xander's like, oh, finals, I forgot. And Buffy's like, it'll all be over soon. And then Angel's <laughs> like, straight into the camera, yes, my love, it will. Yeah. And also wearing uh, no eyeliner, Jenny. No eyeliner, but extra powder. Yes. But extra uh, you're, I'm just saying your graph may need an update. Right, right, right. right, right. Deep update plunge the graph for quick. episode 21. I'm sure he was in a rush or maybe Sephora was out of bat black. Gosh. If any of you missed the di- the, the graph that Jenny did, um, we put it up on our social accounts. Uh, we're going to put it up on Patreon so you can find it over there. Just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on Patreon. You don't have to be a patron. It'll be up publicly. <laughs> uh, it's just really special. You did a great job. Oh, thank you very much. And you're very welcome. Uh, <laughs> so then we go to the credits. And when we come back from the credits, here we are at Sunnydale's Archaeology Hut. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, where? Where are we? Who is this guy? Why I is- guess they refer to him as the curator. So maybe we're at it's the Natural museum. History Museum where uh, Inca, Mummy oh, Girl Inca Mummy Girl was. came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But then how? is Giles billed as the best authority on obscure relics? Because well, when we talked about it, we watched it the first time and I had that question and you were like, maybe it was a watcher thing. Like maybe it has something to do with being a watcher, but like it's it's not made apparent that this guy has anything to do with watchers. It seems like he's just right. a museum dude, but maybe the maybe like watchers are in There's probably the Venn diagram of uh, uh, <laughs> obscure relic experts and people in the watchers council. Probably right, a probably circle. Probably overlap. Right. Probably okay, just a circle. Right. So Giles is is like, oh, this is a big rock. It has some writing on it. It opens, but don't open it. I want to translate the text. Love the curator. <laughs> I love him. I do too. He's another dude from New oh York. Oh my God. Archibald the Coyote. Oh my God. Seriously? Yes. Look at him go. Oh my God. Take a picture. They'll never believe us. Okay. So, so updates. <laughs> We haven't seen Patrol Cat in a while. Well, no, we so, have. We have seen Patrol Cat. He has not been patrolling. Yeah, we've seen him running. elsewhere He's in the always neighborhood. Running. He's always hustling. He never stops anymore to look at us. It's it's he's whatever. We love him. He's Patrol Cat. But the new development is that there's this coyote mm-hmm. that coyote, is coyote, if you will. I will. He Archibald. Jenny's named him Archibald. He's constantly trotting up and down our street. The other night we heard if you've ever if you've ever heard a coyote howl, you know how otherworldly and and fucking scary and weird their howls sound. They're super high. Yeah. Um and they just sound like they're like 
ripping them. They they sound like they're like howling as though it were like a cough after having pneumonia or something. It's like from their depths, <laughs> a howl, a shrill howl. Right. So and we, we hear heard this so loud. They're usually like far away in the distance. No, this was hills. like on our couch. It might as well have been on right. our couch. We pulled back the curtain and it was just on our front steps howling with all its might <laughs> just and it alone, stood there for like just two minutes howling. just howling so and it's been back it keeps coming it's like it's daylight right now it's six o'clock it's 6 20 p.m i mean coyotes are not nocturnal well but you don't usually see them it's yeah rare we see this see guy the all the time he's just yeah. always hanging out and i'm just week, saying he's just been... i think he might want to be our pet is all i'm saying he's putting in he's putting in his bid patrol cat has submitted his bid <laughs> Archibald has now submitted a bid. Who will be our pet? I think there's something that animals can sense because we've been talking about the concept of pets lately. Oh, that they're like, mm, there's like a beacon. Right. Beep, 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 they're beep. like humans considering animals. Right. Now, Jenny, we haven't talked about Patrol Cat in a long time. And now we have. And I just think like I think I would like to hear the Patrol Cat jingle. Until Archibald has a jingle of his own. Yes. Here's Patrol Cat. Yes. Here he comes, down the street, across our porch, on his little feet, looking around, checking the neighborhood, keeping us safe from the coyotes, from the coyotes, oh yeah, patrol cat. Okay, beautiful, so, beautiful tune, beautiful song we wrote about Gabby Dunn. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, manifest as Patrol Cat. Maybe right, maybe right, Gabby's right. just changed form. Maybe I, Gabby's now, now uh, going as a coyote. coyote. So where the hell were we? We were talking about the curator. You love him. I love him. I was about to he's say from Brooklyn. he's another Brooklyn guy. Yes, all these Brooklyn transplants in right? Sunnydale. Brooklyn Brooklynites. They love to move to Sunnydale. Right, and he. He, Property he meets, taxes low, crime he, <laughs> low, except for supernatural stuff. He meets he meets his end sadly because I would have liked to hang on to this curator. Yeah, I was sad um, when he died. Yeah, but he he gets killed by Drew. Drew, we don't see Drew kill a lot of people. But and, this is her episode. All oh right. yeah, it sure is, and we'll get to the other kills that she has. But before we do, before we do, an important kill we should discuss mm-hmm. is. Fishstick A <laughs> slaying Fishstick B. This is one of my favorite things that Xander has done aside yes. from appearing in a Speedo. <laughs> had to bring it up again. I had no, to stir the pot. I had to stir the pot. Um, I just like love this little... It's really great. Uh, come on. And it's a really creative use of a fish stick and a toothpick, you know? Yeah. It's just really nice. And you know who else loves this? Cordelia. <laughs> She's Cordelia so into is it. so tickled. I never thought I would see Cordelia laugh at a fish stick. And yeah. yet. You see her, she's like, Are you finished? And you know that she like meant she's to say like, it mean, but she just loves it way yeah, too she's much. So tickled. Uh she's so tickled. Speaking of tickled, there's just a lot of like flirting going on at the lunchroom table in this Lap scene. sitting, elbow yes. touching. Yes. And and who would walk in to this scene of public display of affection but Snyder, <laughs> who obviously Cannot Snyder's kryptonite is a public display of affection. <laughs> he cannot stand it. And he has this great moment with Willow where he's like, I didn't know there was a chair shortage. And she's like, oh, I didn't read about a chair. Oh. <laughs> and then, like, I didn't move. see any pie charts about a chair shortage. <laughs> right. right. And Snyder's a total D-bag and tells mm-hmm. Buffy that he just wants to expel her. Same old, same old. Classic over in the lunchroom. Snyder. 
Uh, and then we go to another flashback. This one is in London. And it's Drusilla. Fuck it. Hell I'm not yeah. even. Don't shut up. Give her her jingle before I even talk about it. Give it to her. Drusilla, you fill my heart with dread. And still I'm led right back to you. Oh my word. If if anything is better than Drusilla, it's a goddamn Drusilla flashback. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Drusilla in her like pure form before turning in her like little white veil doing confession. Uh-huh. Come Wanting on. to be pure in his sight. I yes. love that we see this iteration of her and also mm-hmm. learn that she had visions yes. before becoming a vampire. Yeah. Well, we knew, didn't we know? We knew that she had visions before becoming a vampire. I think we learned that in an earlier episode when we got like the backstory of how Angel killed her, like mm. that she was already had the sight. She already had the sight. Yeah, I think, I think we knew that. Um, but anyway, I still, like, I agree with you. This scene is so important for us understanding that Drew, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it's really, I mean, that Drew is, has a lot of overlap with this Drew, which is not true for Angel, right? Like, Angel's. Right. Angel's Angel's got a really interesting trajectory because b- before he gets turned, he is sort of this like drunken Irishman who's whatever. And then he has sort Just of kind of, of like avoiding work. Right. And he sort of has that air as flashback vamp Angel. But then Insold Angel, even immediate Insold Angel is very different. And I don't remember who I was talking to, but someone was like, I think that when Angel got ensouled, it was not Angel's original soul. It was a different soul. Right, right, right. That was Cameron Glavin. Ah, Cameron Glavin. Friend of the pod. <laughs> um, here's what I say to that. Yes. As we see over the span of this episode, Angel spends a lot of time out living outside of, of humanity. Yeah. Uh, just feeling tortured feeling terrible totally totally and i and that's what i initially attributed to angel's now personality 100 mm-hmm. percent. but when he turns i mean i guess i guess it's like a really traumatic moment so maybe that's what it is because when he first turns when we see the romani curse happen you know he's just like he seems like new angel instead of old angel whatever it's a complicated mm-hmm. thing is all i'm saying mm-hmm. but i'd like to get back to the point which okay. is drusilla In the confession booth at church. And one of my favorite things that happens with a vampire is when they have to act and pretend they're someone else. It's just my favorite thing. Uh And here we have Angel trying to pretend he's a priest uh, (laughs) and trying to, like, come up with the right words to say. The Lord is very forgiving. (laughs) Um, This is great. This is, like, I feel like any good salacious scene that has to do with religion is, like, you know, something sexy and bloodlusty happening in a confession booth or in a church or with a priest or the pre you know what I mean? There's just something about a set it like a scene being set in a church that has a very special something to it. Uh and you're saying that including this scene? Yeah. Ah. Oh, a hundred percent. I thought you were gonna say this scene is all about just like straight, pure religious intention. Well, uh, towards yeah. piety for Drusilla. Right, but it's set up, it's like the wall between Angel's booth and Drew's booth is like separating, you know. Right, right, obviously supplying good. Angel with his favorite lighting. Oh my gosh, he was like, you know what? Yeah, before they had Venetian <laughs> blinds, <laughs> they had like, I gotta get into booths. a confession booth stat. 
Oh, and when he puts his stupid little vampire hand up against the grate, come on. God is watching you. God is, God is watching us. That's what I think of every time I hear Angel say, God is watching you. I play that song, you know, in, yes. my, in my mind. Then we go to this beautiful, beautiful, it really, the, the competition for the Sexual Tension Award is fucking high in this episode. Tell me your thoughts. First of all, Angel... Bopping Spike in the back of the head as he walks by. Yeah. What a flirt. What a second grade schoolyard right? move. Spike's all like reading the paper and he's like, <laughs> hey man, bonk. bonk. Yeah. So uh, I just, I feel that the sexual tension between Angel and Spike is very, very high in this episode. I think it's at its peak mm-hmm. in this episode. Uh, it may go further. I don't know. But for now, I say peak. However, fucking Kendra's back. Oh my god, Kendra and, and Buffy. There's like this crackling duh. electricity between them. Of course them. there is. A slayer and a slayer it's makes so for great. tension, Jenny. Lots of tension. So I don't know. I have to think on it as okay, we talk. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get there. I don't know that I cannot give it to the two slayers, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I love that Spike's reading the paper. I love when Drusilla says something terrible. Psst, psst, psst. <laughs> favorite it's not even my favorite she does a lot of great things in this episode um but i think my top moment in this scene is the headline of the of the article mysterious obelisk (laughs) what (laughs) what reporter would title the article mysterious obelisk who even Um, knows what an obelisk i don't even know what an obelisk is isn't it a shape isn't it not even what's an obelisk so i was under two impressions one that it was pronounced obelisk but i think you might actually be right i have no idea how things are pronounced you know the correct pronunciation no it's fine don't tell us about it potato potato obelisk obelisk you know what i'm saying i was thinking of an obelisk was uh, like the Washington Monument, but oh. is that a different shape? Hang on. Hang on. According to Wikipedia, an obelisk is a tall, four-sided, narrow, tapering monument. Oh, interesting. Which ends in a pyramid-like shape, or pyramidion, at the top. Wow. So, so this is pretty... So the person who wrote this headline not only wrote this headline, but, but got also it, got, it a little got it skewed. Wrong. Wrong, but that's better than what I thought it was because I definitely pictured like an orb when I saw that word, you know, like a, ah. like an oval mm-hmm. orb sure. type thing. Anyhow, then we go to Sunnydale uh, High Tutor School. Tutor time. Tutor, tutor time. Tutor time with Willow. Um, they're you know talking about calculus and all this other nonsense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Buffy's like, ugh, finals. It's so hard to be a slayer. And then she drops her pencil. Wait, wait. Buffy also is like, I'm mm. stupid. And right. Willow's like, hey. Yeah. That's my friend Buffy. Don't you're talking talk about. about my friend like that. Uh, and gives Buffy a talking to about how she's smart. And yeah. uh, she just has a lot on her plate, but she's not stupid. Yeah, it's really and nice. Then, and then Buffy, no. Buffy drops her pencil. It falls at full speed, doesn't fall slow motion. Turns out not everything falls to the floor in that classroom. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe there was like some sort of gravity-defying <laughs> protection spell just in that little <laughs> slot between the desk and the filing cabinet. But then she has this really interesting Slayer moment, I guess, because she says, that was a huge deja vu. Right? Mm. So is she channeling? Maybe she's dreamed it. 
Right. It's like she she's dreamed it or like Jenny is giving her a message from Maybe. the afterlife or mm-hmm. something happens in this moment that makes her want to do it again. And when she drops the pencil again, she finds this disc. And this is where we find out. I mean, this is not where we find out. This is where they find out that Jenny was very close to, you know, doing the spell on Angel, redoing the spell on Angel before she was killed by Angel. Then we flash back to the Romanian woods. Yes. We see a classic orb of Thessala. <laughs> Just your classic orb. You know, uh, the, like uh, you usually see it. Yes, sometimes being used for spells and sometimes as paperweights. Yep, yep, yep. We yep, learned yep, yep, yep. in this episode, did we not? Giles, Giles is the was hoo-ha the guy yeah. that bought the Thessalan orb and used it as a paperweight. That yeah. we, we heard about him earlier yes. when Jenny bought her Thessalan orb. So anyhow, yes, the orb. And also, what are these orbs of Thessala? Like a dime a dozen? Just everybody can have a fucking orb of Thessala? Apparently. Can I have one? Where's my orb of Thessala? I will look into it. I'm sure they sell them. Right. For every orb of Thessala I buy for you, Mm -hmm. I get to buy Mm -hmm. a guitar. No. Then I should start with like 14 orbs of Thessala. Uh, Since that's a gross overestimation. So moving right (laughs) along, we see Angel get re-insold. And we see uh, the father of the girl he killed explaining what's happening, yeah. talking us through, oh, you don't remember right now, but you will. You know, This is really, this is interesting to me, this concept. I mean, obviously we've talked about it before with the insoling and that, that being the punishment. But I feel like in this universe, in the Buffyverse, there's a really strong line drawn between the monster and the person. Right. And that's like a big theme of this episode. We're about to get into a pretty intense yeah. fucking scene where we talk about this because, you know, in in the curse world, at least, my feeling is like, man, you know, Angel isn't the person who killed all of those people. Right. It's Angelus. It's the soul. It's the it's the monster that is. You know, as as described, I think by Angel himself or by Buffy, the the monster that has taken residence mm-hmm. in Angel's body has done these deeds. So the idea of then giving this person their per- personhood back, but making them tortured for their entire life is 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 twisted, right? Because in, by that logic, they haven't even done anything. They've they've been like possessed by this demon right. or, or inhabited by this demon. And now they have to suffer the consequences of that demon's actions. Mm-hmm. And that's the conversation that Xander takes up in the library. But what's interesting is that in the library, I side with Xander. Like in the, I, so I think what I'm saying is I'm very confused about where I fall on this. Well, I think it's super complicated. So like in this Scooby summit, mm-hmm. re restoring Angel's soul, Willow is, like, very confident. I I can do this. I think I'm the best person to do this. And I think I can make it work. And Angel could be re-insult. Right. The thing is, um, why wouldn't you want to restore the good person that you know he can be right, and it's it's because of course he was that good person, but he ha- he runs a very very strong risk of killing somebody. You know what I mean? Like th- that's yeah. I think that's where Xander is coming from, and I don't like you know I, I don't know. It's like if you apply this to people, if we do something wrong, we should be able to work on ourselves, to improve ourselves, and to be trusted again if we've done that work, right? Right? Right, right. But but holding on to his soul is not necessarily 100% 
guaranteed. But, but what is guaranteed, right? Like how? I, which which is why this, this also is, raises a larger question of if you can restore a soul, the right. human soul, into a body that's been taken over by a vampire. What is the morality of a vampire slayer? Ooh. Just Jenny, a thought. Wow. Deep, 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 deep. Just a thought. I mean, probably the the sort of like risk. Right. And also like how many, I know how many Thessalon right. orbs really are there's there. A lot of, sure. There's a lot of orbs, but I don't know that there's that many. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I think this is a really polarizing scene. I imagine this is a polarizing scene for people. It's certainly a polarizing moment yeah. for the Scoobies. Probably, not probably, definitely the most polarizing moment they have shared as a group. Right. I mean, when Xander, because Xander comes down and comes down hard. He is 100% unable or unwilling to consider a separation and, between Angel and Angelus. Right. And for the first time, in my in my opinion, or at least in my memory, this is the first time that I really believe that Xander was not motivated by any factor having to do with Buffy or wanting to date Buffy, wanting to be with Buffy, being in love with Buffy. Right. right. He was this just was like, like, this is dangerous. Yeah. This person is a killer. He, 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 you know, his moment where he saw Giles mourning the loss of Jenny Calendar, all of that, I think, yeah. is what is informing him, saying, no, this horrible thing has happened and we cannot bring this person back just because Buffy loves him. It also makes Xander think it's okay to say, yeah, well, Jenny's dead to Giles. Right. Wow, that is not okay. No, it's not, but, like, I, I no, guess... No, 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 I mean, I understand it, but I mean, like, it is not okay to Giles. Right, of course. I mean, right, It's but it's it's this really blind, blind moment of passion, I think, for... Passion. <laughs> It's I really inside all of us. I really set you up for waiting that. to okay, be awoken. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. But Xander has. I mean, Xander really is just like totally unaware of anything else except for his own feelings in this moment, and it's in a way that I I really identified with. Um, where you're like, I have to put a stop to this, and I can't care anymore what people might think of what I have to say mm-hmm. because somebody else could die, and yeah. it could be someone else that I love. Yeah, and I can't let that happen. So. I don't know. I don't know where I fall on this. I really, really don't. I I kind of understand both sides. In this argument, I really understood where Xander was coming from. But also then Willow was this incredible friend to Buffy, right? She turns mm-hmm. to Buffy and says, what do you want? And really yeah. puts that trust in Buffy, uh, which which is which is probably accurate, but complicated. It's just complicated. Complicated. Would love to hear all of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Where do we stand? Do we want Angel to have his soul back or not? Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. 
Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. But I want to say, too, about this scene, two things. There is a look that Buffy gives Xander in the moment after Xander says that to Giles. That is unbelievable. It is so good. She is like shocked and appalled and it's just a really really high moment for Sarah Michelle Gellar (laughs) I think she nails it and then you know we talked about all these things that Xander has said but then Xander pushes the line the final moment uh for him you want to forget all about Miss Callender's murder so you can get your boyfriend back really cutting words Mm -hmm. so then Buffy leaves then we lose the museum guy R.I.P. to the museum curator right Drew kills him, and then in strolls Angelus with uh, two vampires with ropes. Yeah. So my question yes. for the universe uh-huh. is how are these vampires, <laughs> these two vampires, uh-huh. transporting this enormous uh-huh. stone tomb uh-huh. across Sunnydale back know. to their I don't know. Secret passageways, castle. combination of secret passageways and metaphysics is my only... Mm-hmm. My only hope. I don't know. I don't know. This little demon. This little Akathla. This little mm-hmm. guy. He's such a funny little guy. Uh, very like uh, d- disproportionately like his his waist is like very low. Yeah, long he's torso. like very troll. He's like a troll Short proportion. Legs, very close together. An oaf. What do you call an ogre? Ogre. An oaf. An oaf. <laughs> an ogre yeah he's like a little ogre he reminded me i i looked up when we were watching the poster for quest for camelot because i was like is there a... <laughs> but i think i was i was conflating quest for camelot with shrek somehow. yeah 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 uh, but he's he is he's like a little shrek guy mm. uh i kind of like him i know he's bad but he's yeah, kind of yeah, cute little cutie. A, yeah mm-hmm. he's kind of a cute little guy mm-hmm. anyhow then buffy's waiting like, to be woken to do, up what to do oh dear the clotter ring see <laughs> see the clotter ring which she has left next to her hot pink hair pick 
Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course, uh, fires up the old Angel and Buffy theme cue. Yes. You know how I love a good theme cue. I know you do. Uh, but then we get then we get Buffy goes to patrol. She's going to, like, work out her emotions. Yes. And speaking better, of a couple that deserves a theme. Uh, who better to work out her emotions with than her best girlfriend, Kendra? I love it. This is a great scene between the two of them. They are going to make out in those bushes. They're so funny. They're going to kill a couple of vamps okay. and then make out for all time's sake regardless of whether they're gonna make out or not which who knows what's in the canon but um the canon I I'll give you canon just loves I just love a foil I, Buffy has a foil in Kendra right mm. like her true match yeah you know and kind of like her polar opposite and they like know each other well enough to like really like poke each other and uh-huh. it's so fun. It I is. just love it. It is. Love it. It is and we don't get enough of it. We really don't. And we'll never I know. Get enough of it's it. It's just I just I, I I always forget. I always forget. Everyone knows I've only watched the series once, so I need to stop exaggerating. <laughs> I forget, I forgot that we got so little time with Kendra. You know, like, so little screen time. I know that, like, technically we get a season with Kendra, but she's just really not here for very long, mm-hmm. and I just love her so much. But so an- anyway, before we start mourning her, let's enjoy her while yeah. we have yeah. her for this episode. Yeah. So they make out in the bushes. Uh-huh. Um, then uh, Then we learn about Akathla. Uh, Akathla came to swallow the world. He was killed by a virtuous knight, which, like, who's that guy? Yeah. Right? Not even a slayer, just a virtuous, just a guy with a sword killed. And probably looked great in a speedo. Probably looked great in a speedo. Yes, Jenny. Uh, kills a Kothla, thereby saving the world because, and then we learn in the next scene that there is a demon universe that lives in a different dimension. Right, that right, right. A Kothla can open this vortex um, that sucks the whole world into this other dimension and anyone who's not a demon dies a horrible death. Actually, suffers in torment for all eternity. I think. Oh, I made it nicer. On Remember them. hell? Remember like the vibe of hell? Yeah, it's right. forever. Hell forever. is forever, forever. Just like diamonds. <laughs> um, uh, we, you know what we didn't touch on when um, when Angel and Drew get Akatha's tomb back to uh, Vampire Hut. Uh huh. We get this great line from Spike. His impression of the rock that oh uh, my god right prompts the the Akafla history lesson, which is it's a big rock. Can't wait to tell my friends they don't have a rock this big. <laughs> yeah, Spike is really working himself up into a froth, uh, <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful Spike froth mm. that I believe will come to its full Spike fruition in the following wow. episode. Wow, you said a lot of fr words all together there. Wow, froth, fruition. Um, Kendra has brought a sword that Giles geeks out over. It's the right. sword that this knight. Where did they? How did they? Whatever. Uh, she's just they, got a Kendra very dialed in watcher. Kendra strolled over to the set of Game of Thrones and was like, "Hey, excuse me. Do you know which knight it was that yeah. uh, killed Akathla uh-huh, over here?" Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so like. Buffy's like, Willow, I want you to try the curse. Kendra's right. like, Angel should be eliminated. Buffy's like, oh, I'll kill him. But I want the spell as backup just in case I don't get to kill yeah, him. Yeah, Willow expressing a very intense interest in the dark arts in this episode. <clears throat> just saying. Do they have to be dark? No, but she, but this is a dark, they, oh. they, they call it the dark arts. Oh. 
many times. All right. So no, Willow is expressing an interest in spells. It really is taking a page out of Jenny Callender's book and and going on a particular little journey here. But let me ask you a question. Please. I need to know how Drusilla doesn't know that Spike is at full power. I don't buy that. I don't buy it because Drusilla is sees things and because not only does Drusilla see things, it's like the only okay, the only way I'll buy it is if it's like Spike is too close to Drusilla because sometimes like I can have witch feelings about a lot of things but sometimes when it's something for me like about me personally mm-hmm. there it's like there's a wall there like I can't perceive I, I don't have like any vision when it comes to certain intense things for myself so maybe Spike is just so close to her that she can't see that but um I, well here's here's the thought yeah um it could be that it could be that he's too close mm-hmm. um also before she was made vampire Drusilla was in addition to having the sight was driven mad by Angel. So that's also part of her psychological right. makeup. Right. So, and it's also possible, like, she, I don't necessarily know that all of her visions have timestamps on them. She could just, I mean, obviously Spike is going to heal. Vampires right. heal fast and, and uh, mm-hmm. like, can't be killed by regular wounds. So, like, we can assume that eventually Spike will be. So even if she has a vision of Spike, well, uh, walking or whatever. Yeah, that, uh, she wouldn't necessarily think, oh, that well, this will be tomorrow. Right. Like all my visions are. You know, and you saying that makes me think maybe we didn't know that. Maybe you were right. Maybe we didn't know that Drusilla ha- had the sight beforehand. I think maybe what I was thinking of was that she was driven mad before he changed her, um, and that's what I was thinking of. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know what I know? What do you know? If Angel's going to perform, if Angelus is going to perform a ritual uh-huh. in which he needs some blood on his hands yeah. to pull the sword out of a chest of a stone demon, uh-huh. you know he's going to find a guy who's as ready to be shirtless as he Ooh! is all the time. Third runner up for sexual yeah. tension. <laughs> that guy and Angel, Angel. and his beverage. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, but Angel, of course, well, we don't, actually, the, the ritual starts, and then we go to this wonderful flashback. So many places we go to. Ireland, we go to London, we go to Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan baby! 1996, I'll what tell you. What a year. I'll tell you, it was a great year for Manhattan. I spent a good amount of time in Manhattan in 1996, mm. because mm-hmm. it is the year that the musical Rent came out, and I saw the musical three times in the first year of it being out. Wow. Saw the original cast. Thank you very much. Wow. Good night, everybody. No, <laughs> I, um, I, it's, I was really interested looking at this flashback to Manhattan because my instinct was like, that's not what Manhattan looked like in 96. But then I was thinking about Rent and like the way that the city was portrayed in Rent. And I thought, damn, like the Disneyfication of Times Square and the like image shift of Manhattan and, and boroughs adjacent to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that happened in the early 90s, the mid 90s, but I feel like maybe it was still like a big part of the association that people had with the city, even as late as the late 90s. Because I don't think that people associate that like dark alleyway, steam rising from the alley, rat thing with Manhattan as much anymore. Right. It's like people don't think of Manhattan as Gotham. Right. Anymore. Right, which is a But that's fucking... a relatively new thing. And that's a bummer. I'm sorry. I'm very against the Disneyfication of Times Square. I'm very against a lot of the things that happened in the cleanup, I, I use air quotes, quotes that you can't see, of the city. Uh, if you want a really great fucking read on that 
movement in Times Square and all of that those happenings, you should read this incredible book. It's called Times Square Red, Times Square Blue. It's by uh, Samuel R. Delaney. And actually, I just looked it up. It was published in 1999. Uh, but it is, I don't remember which part is which, but one part is really theory heavy and the other part is really story heavy. Um, if you're not into reading theory, you should still read the story part um, because it is uh, Samuel Delaney's account of his experience in Times Square before the cleanup and sort of the community and the camaraderie uh, and the cross-class, cross-race relationships that were happening in Times Square and how that cleanup really just tore all of that um, mm. apart. It's really, it's really a great read. I haven't read it in years, but I remember being really moved by it. Anyhow, who knew? Who knew that this uh, rat, fa- rat flashback to Manhattan would take me through all of these emotions? <laughs> we also meet Whistler. Whistler, another New Yorker. Oh, here he happens to be in New York. Yes, but yes, another New York, uh, another New York accent, and and something that we haven't really touched too much upon in Buffy yet, which is that not all demons, as Whistler puts it, are dedicated to the destruction of life. Hell yeah! I just think this is really, uh, really important, and this is uh, again kind of a first for us of seeing two demons coming together for good, uh, and and Whistler is really showing Angel the ropes, and I don't know, you know, we don't get much backstory on Whistler, right? How does he know about Buffy? How does he know that about Angel? What we is, don't know. We don't yet. know, but what we do know is that not only do we get Manhattan in 96, but then Whistler takes Angel to L.A., in 96. Hell yeah. This is really exciting. But this... not before he gets a hot dog. Right. Which dog... I didn't know you could order a hot dog in New York by saying, dog me. I lived there nine years. Are you going to do it next time you go? Next dog time me? I go to New York, I'm going to be like, check out this sweet local move. Dog me. <laughs> um, so Los Angeles, first of all, this Los Angeles flashback is home to a very important gifable Buffy moment where she's got the lollipop and she rolls her <laughs> eyes. I have used that Buffy gif many oh a time. But it's also really exciting for me personally because this is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Mm-hmm. Right? So this, when I see, whenever I see this flashback, uh, or when I when I saw this flashback, I was like, oh my God, we have to watch the movie. And yeah. You know, because it's really exciting. And uh, this guy, presumably her watcher. Merrick. It's Merrick. It's Merrick. So we know that it's Merrick. Does mm-hmm. Merrick get a name in the... Yeah. Okay, great. So, so Merrick... Finds Buffy is like you have a destiny. She's like I don't have a destiny. I'm destiny free, right? And and she is. This scene is set up to mark her as Cordelia. She walks right. in the same formation with with the Cordettes, uh-huh. the Buffets, the Buffets, I guess. Sure. The, Buffets. the Buffets. If it's if you're French, <laughs> right? Uh, she's saying the same things. Call me, call me, call me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, she is in full Cordelia mode. She sees she sees Merrick, and I love her response. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Hi. What? <laughs> Which <laughs> is a great progression. And we see her. This is really cool. We see her kill her first vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to see her react to that. Yeah. And we also get to see Joyce in 96. We also get to see the dawn, you know, the sort of yes. uh, prologue to the Summers family divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, Joyce and Hank are fighting a bunch. Right. Hank is so upset. Joyce talks to him like he's a child. So he says. So he says. But you know what I think might be a play there, Jenny? The patriarchy. Correct. <laughs> wow. I think this is so interesting. I think this is so interesting because because what uh, the setup for this was for the setup for the L.A. trip was hey yeah you could go either way you're at a crossroad two roads are diverging in a vampy wood uh-huh. and 
you could go either way. So which way are you going to go? I'm going to show you your, your your other option or you can continue down this path. Mm-hmm. And Angel, after he watches Buffy, <laughs> setting setting the tone for many times that he will watch Buffy. From outside the window. <laughs> yeah, it's his favorite thing to do. Um, also, this thing with the car and the blacked out windows. How, oh, right. So a vampire can drive a car in the daylight if... The windows are blacked out, but there's but a... how are they driving? Right, like they can see the idea of the road, and that's enough for them. That just seems. I like it though. I like that now they're they're mobile. Maybe the physiology of a vampire eye, because we assume they have amazing night vision mm. because they're nocturnal. Right. Maybe there's something that allows them to see through black paint. <laughs> Is it? It's not like fully opaque though. No, you know what I mean? no, it isn't. It isn't. No, I, I, I think it's doable, and I really like the addition of this little now great world drive. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So right, so Angela comes downstairs and tells downstairs. By the way, <laughs> downstairs into the sewers. Downstairs into the sewers, and he's like Whistler. I want to help, and I want you to train me, and I want to be like you, but I don't want to dress like you. <laughs> Which is great, good, because is... nobody wants to see Angel in that pork pie hat. Um, <laughs> and Whistler says something really interesting. Yeah. He says, the more you live in this world, the more you see how apart from it you really are. Right. Which is so interesting because Angel has been distancing himself from the world during this sort of like post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress period of of his re-ensouled life where he's just grieving and dealing with the trauma of having been sort of like uh, overtaken right. and, and piloted into murdering literally countless people. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like deep deep digs in this episode um, and the next episode. I can't wait to talk about the next one too. <laughs> but first, first we go back to the ritual. Angel has failed, and I'm just gonna Angel Angel doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. He can't pull the sword out. He can't pull the sword out. And the moment that follows is good enough for us to share a sound clip with you all. The sound clip is titled in my phone "A Coppola Fail." <laughs> Someone wasn't worthy. Damn it! This is so disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) The two best possible reactions. That fucking noise that she makes, it kills me. Followed by Angel smashing some priceless antique pottery. He's so mad. God, Angel loves an antique and to smash an antique, you know? Just truly. Man, his apartment must have been decorated in the the only antiques he didn't smash as uh, Angelus the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, so he's failed. Spike's delighting in it. Um, We cut to the classroom where the, what is this thing called? An immolationogram. Immolationogram? What does that mean? Immolation means like a burning. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I, lo- I loved it before I even knew what it meant. It's Lily Tomlin. It's not. But, like, this is Lily Kristen Tomlin. Kristen thinks this vampire is Lily Tomlin. I really, like, I honestly looked at Jenny when we watched it the first time and was like, is that Lily Tomlin as a vamp, <laughs> as, a, as a suicide vamp? Uh, left to send a, message, send a message to the classroom. How um, do you get this job and why do you take it? Right? For the honor? Like, what? There's no honor among vampires. I know. I that's feel the like. thing. Although, I, I guess when... when um, Maybe the anointed one was around there and the master, there was a lot of sort of like pseudo-religious like... Yeah, martyr and yeah, yeah, yeah. martyrdom stuff. So anyhow, Lily Tomlin as vamp is all like, the graveyard, it's 9 p.m. And then just 
combusts and everyone in the classroom is like, that was weird. Anyway, back to my toes. Right. Um, important note. Important note. What in the fuck is Buffy wearing? What is she wearing? What was she wearing? She's wearing thing? the blue, like, iridescent. Oh, the jacket. Knee-length jacket that's like... Like, she should be, like, interning. Not interning. She should be, like, you know, with a briefcase going to her desk, being, like, a highfalutin power lady. Or, like, a maybe maybe a lawyer in Xanadu. Yeah. Oh, perfect. A lawyer in Xanadu. But you know you know why I think she's wearing that jacket? Why? Because it looks so fucking good later when she's running in slow in motion. In slow motion. It does. It really does. It really does. Um, so Buffy's like, I gotta go. Uh, Angel said, meet him at 9 p.m. Like, I gotta go fuck? kill him. I I haven't learned any lessons recently. I don't understand. I've gotta this go. Is a, this is a bit of a like a hole for me. I just I, I don't know. I want to really believe that she would be smarter than this, or that someone else would be. You know, even if she's too emotionally yeah. invested to see this, that someone would say like, Hey guys, remember when this happened last time? It didn't go so well. But uh, she decides to go, and the best part about her going. <laughs> Do you know what it is, Jenny? Kendra gives her her sp- <laughs> Kendra gives her her steak. When she's named Mr. Pointy. So beautiful. Mr. Pointy. So beautiful. God, Kendra. They they this is like this is testament to great writing that through just a few things we get so attached to Kendra. Yeah, what is this? The third episode that yeah. she's been in? And we love, love her. We love her. Just like the fucking shirt is her only shirt. The fucking, she doesn't have any fucking toys or friends, so she names her steak. It's just <laughs> great, great character development. Great. We love her so much. Uh, so Buffy leaves, and then the Scoobies are left with Kendra, you know, to do this spell. Okay. I've got a major bone to pick. Okay, tell me. Buffy wants to go to the cemetery and right. meet Angel. Ill-advised. Right. But I understand she's swept up in in uh, panic and, you know, just like fire. She just like wants to yes. meet him she on the battlefield. She wants it to be over. You know what I cannot get behind? What? Oh, we've got to cast this sensitive spell to complete this ritual. We should do it in a public place where anyone can enter. Let's not go to one of our houses. Right, right. Let's not go to a place where a vampire would need an invitation to come in. Right. Let's do it at the fucking library. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. Giles, you're better than this, man. I know, right? And and maybe, you know, if we're going to justify it in any way, we could maybe root it in what we were talking about last week or a couple of weeks ago where they're they're sort of really uh, reeling. Giles is still reeling from Jenny's yeah. death. Buffy is still reeling from this whole angel situation. Perhaps that has caused them to not think on their feet. But the flip side is, like, I think that's the very definition of the Scooby gang is that they fucking think on their feet. And they, yeah. they should have known better. They should have done better here. But you know who does a great job in this scene, uh, in the beginning of this scene? Cordelia. You know why? <laughs> walking around with some sage that's her job that is her job they gave everybody a job and cordelia's was to sage i would like i would really like cordelia to come over and sage our house if we ever get charisma carpenter on the podcast i'm gonna ask her to bring some sage with her Uh and sage our house before she leaves good that seems fair right um so so of course as we know as we sadly know the this was a trick the vampires run in there after Giles because Giles knows the ritual. And they know, Angel knows that Giles knows the ritual. Or can decode the text. Or or whatever. can decode, the, right. That he is a useful resource for mm-hmm. this 
situation. And so in come the vampires, and this is a brutal attack. It's a very odd attack because the vampires don't bite anyone. Um, they're, they're very mission specific. Yeah. Um, they they knock Willow underneath the bookcase. They snap Xander's arm in what is just a repulsive scene. Ugh. I hate that moment. You know, Xander tells Cordelia to run. So, so we see Cordelia run away. Um, Giles gets captured and Willow Kendra... goes down under a bookshelf. Yeah, I said that. I, I started. It's okay. It's a, it's a very traumatic thing. So um, much to keep track of. And then Drew walks in. Then Drew walks in and we learn something that she possesses uh, some manner of hypnotism yeah, powers. Yeah, which is very believable. Yeah, yeah, very like in the realm of her character, I think. Right. And there's, I mean, I, I, I don't 100% understand why Kendra isn't powerful enough to like at least know to close her eyes or something to 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 break this. But mm-hmm. Drew is very, very powerful. Well, I'll tell you what. Drew, you know, was ill. Drew was weak, and she subsequently regained a great deal of power. Yeah. She was carrying Spike around like he was a rag doll. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that this is just a sort of heightened power? So not even not Kendra's A-plus watcher knows that right. uh, Drusilla can do right. this. Right, right. Uh, whatever the reason... Drew gets her, and there's this beautiful moment where they're swaying together. Oh, yeah, it's so creepy. It's so creepily done. It's just, it's just beautiful in in a horrible way. And then, and then in this, just this kill is is heartbreaking because Drusilla doesn't even drink from the Slayer, right? Which is like, isn't that the most the best kill you can get? Is killing a Slayer? You'd think that she would at least take one sip. Yeah. Of Slayer blood, and she doesn't. She just slits Kendra's throat, lets her drop, and is like, on with the mission. It's like, yeah. it's like, it just, it feels very, I don't know, like, I just feel like Kendra didn't even get, like, honored in her death, you know? Mm. Which is, it's just sad. It makes me so sad that that she didn't even get that. Wow. I'm just thinking about... um the second to most recent sci-fi novel that I read, which was Stranger in a Strange Land, in which a human baby crash lands on Mars and all of the humans manning the ship. I love how every time you talk about this book, you start by saying a human baby before <laughs> anyone knows, before anyone who hasn't read it knows <laughs> that there, there are, are alien babies. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this baby uh, lands on Mars and the adults in the crew all die. This baby is raised by Martians who are culturally very different. Mm. And one of the ways in which they are different is that they honor their dead by cannibalizing them. Oh, wow. Uh, Waste not, want not Mm -hmm. style. That's just what you made me think of. Wow. Great book. You should all read it. It's so great. Yeah, I haven't read it yet and it is on my list. So so Kendra dies. Um, Rest in peace, Kendra. We we hardly knew ye. We really did hardly knew ye and we loved ye. So very much. Buffy, before Angel even finishes explaining what has happened, of course, is like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And runs at full speed back to the library. For some reason, jumps over a bench that she easily could have run around using less energy. I'll take it. Um, But she gets to the library to this horrific scene, and it is narrated by Whistler, Mm-hmm. This beautiful monologue. Um, I didn't write all of it down, but the bits that I wrote down, I think, capture the essence of it. No one asks for their life to change, but it does. 
And it's what you do after that counts. It's where you see who you really are. Uh, especially that line, no one asks for their life to change, but it does. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, not to get like all uber serious, but like I've had many moments in my life where this is exactly how I felt um, living through 9-11, my mom almost dying, Mm -hmm. just these moments that are like you thought you knew what your life was and then it turns out you didn't know at all. You didn't know anything. And and you know you'll never be able to live a life that doesn't have that footprint in it, that that it is forever. And, And I don't think that those moments are... Uh, frequent but when they happen you know it's like something in your gut you know no matter what no matter how much you recover and we do we recover we get stronger we get better we feel better but no matter how much we recover that footprint is always there and it becomes a part of us Mm -hmm. which is really what this whistler monologue is talking about Uh, and this is the second really really tragic death in just a couple short episodes, yeah. things are getting very, very real for the whole Scooby gang very quickly. And the impact that it will have on all of them, I think we will see and we will continue to see how it plays out. So Buffy slow-mo runs all through the school. Right, of course. We missed, we, I missed that. I'm so sorry. That's Jenny's favorite moment. It's very uh, important. I missed it. And it's a really sweet parallel to a special moment in Celine Dion's video for it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, we're going to do our best to get you a side-by-side gift set of those moments. <laughs> Please, God, uh, let it be so. Follow us at Buffering Cast if you'd like to see the side-by-side <laughs> gifts that we will hopefully procure for you. And then, you know, as as she surveys the scene, she her, la- her eyes land on Kendra, mm. and she crouches down in this moment of like, oh, no. And then, in what is a twist... Nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw this coming. We just hear freeze and, and we see, see a gun, gun. Uh, come up against Buffy, and then it's just to be continued. Unbelievable. So much happened in this episode. <sighs> so much is about to happen in the next episode. What a finale. What a finale. We are halfway there, and just as a reminder, Next Wednesday, Becoming Part 2 will go up for all of our listeners, but if you are just needing to have it right now, needing to know what we have to say about Becoming 2, if you're a Stitcher Premium member, you can listen to that episode right now. It is up on Stitcher Premium. You just go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash Buffy. There's a promo code there for you to use. You get a free month, and uh, you can listen to the finale over there. Hell yes. Oh my God, we almost forgot (gasps) the most important part of any episode. Good Lord. The official declaration of the sexual tension award for becoming part one Mm -hmm. who's gonna get it i'm i'm in for kendra and buffy we're never gonna be able to give it to kendra and buffy that's true so i think in memoriam it goes to kendra and buffy and while we're on the topic of sexual tension awards jenny yes well i don't know if you know this but we did our first ever listener generated Sexual Tension Award for I Only Have Eyes for You. Oh, yeah. We never announced it. And oh so I just want to let everyone know that I Only Have Eyes for You, the award went to the thruple by a pretty big margin. <laughs> the thruple being, of course, Angel, Spike, and Drusilla. So uh, they have already gotten their trophy. It was sent in the mail yeah. very promptly. But we're just letting mm-hmm. you all know. Thank you so much for your votes. And congrats uh, to the Thruple. Yes, congrats to the Thruple. And we'll be sure to do at least one listener-generated sexual attention award in season three. Absolutely. 
But for now, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Uh, when I'm not watching Buffy and making this podcast with Kristen, I write songs and record them and am just a general musician. You can learn more about me. And here's some of the songs that I make that aren't about Buffy at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. You can also give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. Jenny Owen Youngs, colon, just a general musician. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Kristen Russo. You can follow me over on Twitter or Instagram at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-E. Just kidding. Are you on your toes? It's N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Wow. <laughs> Um, you can learn more about my work with LGBTQ young people and their families over at everyoneisgay.com or mykidisgay.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Facebook and Twitter at BufferingCast. And you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and there are some wonderful ways that you can support our work. One of them is over on Patreon. You've probably heard us talk about it before. On our website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com, you can click on the tab that says Patreon. It will take you on over to our Patreon page. There's a lot of fun things happening over there. There's a little Facebook group. It's not even little. There's a Facebook group that is just raging <laughs> uh, with Buffy content for all of our patrons. And also, all of our patrons are invited to our Buffy watches. We have one coming up on July 30th. And not only do we have a Buffy watch coming up, but it is a listener-chosen Buffy watch. So if you're a patron, there's a poll up for you on Patreon. You can choose which episode you want to watch with us on July 30th. So that's fun. Yes. You can also support us by subscribing to Stitcher Premium. Stitcher Premium is a pretty awesome platform where you get exclusives and original content, and you also can get the finale of our podcast today if you're a Stitcher Premium what? member. I know, right? So if you're just dying, no pun intended, <laughs> to listen to Becoming 2, our episode of Becoming 2, you can go on over to stitcherpremium.com slash Buffy and use the promo code Buffy. You get a free month and you get a discount on the yearly membership. You will get today the finale, but if you want to stay as a member, you will get many other fun things, fun exclusives, and moving into season three, we will be starting to do some exclusives over there as well. Heck yeah. Well, friends, as we round the bend towards finishing season two, Kristen and I are thinking about ways to improve the show, and we would love your input. We've put together a listener survey where you can weigh in on what you like and what you don't, and your feedback will help us make the show even better. And everyone who completes the survey and includes their email address will be entered to win a buffering shirt of their choosing. So many to choose from. Now there are. <laughs> All you have to do is just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and click on survey. Yes, the survey will be up through the end of the summer, and we would really, really appreciate your input. It will help really guide us, like Jenny said, into season three. We've also got a season wrap-up episode coming on July 19th, and we want to feature your voices. If you're so inclined, please send us a voice memo that is 90 seconds or less telling us about your favorite episode of season two, your favorite moment of season two, or whatever you want to tell us about season two. And you might be featured on our podcast. Woo! Send your voice memos to bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. And till next time. Ah, yes. Hi, I'm Essie, one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. 
We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a Best Comic Book Podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.